that was the hardest thing when I was living in Japan, actually. My host dad would make me slurp my soup because it's a sign of politeness to slurp and I never slurped and he was, he'd was he think I was really rude. So I had to learn how to like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It was epic. The Deep Place Podcast on creativity and spirituality. Friends, welcome to the 25th episode of the Deep Place Podcast. That's like a quarter of a century of uh, episodes that we have done over the last few years. We're, we're well into our second season right now, and I'm loving bringing you um, this collection of interviews and reflections and thoughts and, and the beautiful times that I do get to hang out and chat with Joy. Um, it's such a wonderful experience for us. Uh, and I wanted just to bring out there, I haven't said anything about this over this past season, but um, did you know that we uh, actually have a Patreon? Um, we have a place where you can support this podcast. We have a number of supporters. Um, in fact, we just had a new one sign up the other day with a $20 uh, per month sign up to keep this thing going. Um, COVID has not been a fun time for us creative artists. And so things like Patreon have really do really help us to, to keep this podcast going, to keep um, the, the creative lifestyle happening, um, our creative careers happening. So uh, if you are a fan of this podcast uh, and would like to support it, I'd love you to jump on and do so. If you go to patreon.com and put in the Deep Place podcast, uh, you'll be able to find us or just go to patreon.com backslash the Deep Place podcast um, and have a look at some way. If you feel like you can spare a few dollars each month, that would be amazing. For now, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Eliza Charlie. Eliza is an actor, a writer and a producer based out of Melbourne, Australia. She's been in lots and lots of different TV shows, uh, both producing and acting in things like Neighbours and Secret City, Buying Blind, Deadline Design, all the different things. Um, she's a graduate of NIDA Open Studio, an advanced studio program in Australia. She's done heaps of stuff. Um, an amazing, beautiful, wonderful, incredible woman uh, who's doing lots of creative work in this world. You can check out her stuff at elizacharlie.com. Uh, and she's also just started up a creative coaching service. So check that out as well on her website. That's elizacharlie.com. And enjoy this little chat that we had together. Eliza, welcome to the Deep Place podcast. I'm so, so happy to be here. I really, <laughs> really am. <laughs> Good, good. That um, even I know people must have said this before, but as mm. soon as I said it, what came into my head then was Eliza <laughs> and Peggy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. You must be a musical fan. I'm a huge musical fan. Of course um, you are. That's. I don't think we've ever talked about this, but mm. I am. I'm mm. a really big musical fan, and um. All my life I've loved singing and I've loved the stories that you tell when you sing. And I forget who said this, if it was um, Gene Kelly, Cary Grant, someone like that, mm. instead of the old school musicals, um, you know, you're acting to tell stories and when you can't say what you feel, you sing it. Ah. And then when you can't sing it, you dance. Oh, and that's, I love that. I haven't heard that yeah, before. That's I love, cool. I love musicals for that reason. Um, I tend to go through a phase of a new one every three or four months and get obsessed. Yeah. And then I move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't moved on from Hamilton. <laughs> really? Yet. No, I am still very Hamilton obsessed. Mm. Really Hamilton obsessed. What's your favourite musical? Oh, the Hamilton is up there. It yeah. went straight to the top. But yeah. before that was Les Mis. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Epic oh, tales. Mm. Yeah. 
lots of characters, intertwining stories, rapidly changing settings and time, the historical factor, I love it. Um, the first time I got into Hamilton actually was when you and I were doing People of the Sun together. It's yes. the first time I heard Hamilton, one of the other actors was obsessed with it at the time yeah. and everyone kept saying, Eliza! <laughs> Whenever I walked into a room, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> So yeah. musicals, we're yeah. straight away talking musicals because you're an actor. Because tell us about your creativity. Who is mm. who is Eliza? Charlie, is that your last mm -hmm. name these mm -hmm. days? It is these days, yeah. Good. <laughs> it's my grandmother's maiden name. Yeah. Ah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. So it's my chosen it's my chosen name. Um Tell us about your creativity first. Mm. What is what do you do? Uh, I do I do many things and uh -huh. at the moment I'm trying to integrate them and make it a bit clearer. But my main hats are mm. I am an actor and a, and a writer. I've worked as a producer. I've done a lot of renovation TV shows. So <laughs> you've seen... I'm producing them? Yeah, or yeah. It's like a design production coordinator. So, yeah, nice. Um, you know, rocking up on a Monday, knowing the camera's arriving on a Friday, mm. somehow having to renovate this thing um, on a very limited budget and with a limited team. And it's very stressful um yeah. but an amazing challenge when you look back and think of what you've done yeah. so I've done quite a lot of that yeah. um yeah I'm trained as an actor here and okay. trained in New York and I grew up writing music I grew up writing stories at like all of this is part of my artistic expression mm. which I completely ran away from for the first 24 25 years of my life right it was my passion it was who I really was but I was like that's not a real thing. I need to be a doctor. So yeah. I went and studied chemistry and physics and then didn't get into medicine. <laughs> so it's been a long and winding journey to end up in this place now in my almost mid-30s um, of really owning who I am. And yeah. this year, 2021, for me, is going to be the year of writing. Right. So and telling my story and other stories and... yeah. Yeah, that's the I'm so in. fearful when anyone says this is going to be the year. I know. Oh, now that we had 2020, that was going to be the year of many things. <laughs> 2020 for me was going to be the year of love. And the year then... of love. You were moving <laughs> yeah. to Italy. I was moving to Italy. To, to like possibly get yeah. engaged, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then my partner and I got stuck in different countries and we're still not in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> he got what stuck you... in America. I got wow. stuck in Australia and he's now home in Italy, which is home for him. And I have a visa for Italy, but I'm yet to be allowed to leave my own country because of restrictions. So so the year of love didn't happen. year of love did not happen. Wow. The year of love was torture. Yeah. Not my worst year, but it was really, it was pretty bad. Okay. And what was, mm. what's this year supposedly going to be? What did you say? The year of writing. The year of writing. Yeah. Yes. I feel like at least that's a bit more flexible. I can write anywhere. <laughs> you can write anywhere. You I just, just need myself you and a pen. pen. Even yeah. in a pandemic, you can do that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. I hope it becomes that too for you. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. It'll be lovely if it happens and I will find my way if it doesn't. Um, yeah. You know, my, my journey in most of my life has been constant beginning again. Yeah. Constant blank slates. And speaking of writing stories, my story or other people's stories, yeah. I read a lot of biographies and mm. listen to podcast interviews. Mm -hmm. So many people I find have that moment, that one moment that they said changed everything. Yeah, yeah. Whether they were made redundant or they had a health crisis or something happened yeah. in their family or they, they lost someone. And for me, I think, oh gosh, I've just had one of those every sort of two years since I was 19. Wow. So every two years, something mass massive has happened. And I, don't get me wrong, I still have had a very privileged life in so many ways. Yeah. You know, white person born in Australia, cisgendered, like I've really 
um, had a smooth road in so many ways, but yeah, these big life events that change mm. people's lives, mm-hmm. I keep having them and I'm, I'm sick of the blank page. I feel like I've been uh, on the blank page for 12 years and I just, I want to get writing. Wow. Um, now I'm no longer speaking physically, but metaphorically, Joel, <laughs> I think. Yes, I understand <laughs> There's that. an allegory in there somewhere. You had like 20 whatever years of running from it mm. and then a number of things yeah. over the last 12 years yeah, that's have right. moved you into it yeah. in some way. And the, the biggest shift was when I was 24, 25, I had been sick for three years and mm-hmm. rehabilitating for a fourth year from a chronic illness wow. and yeah, it was epic. And when I was sick... I said, if I got better, and it wasn't if, there was no guarantees. It wasn't terminal, but it was, I was told I would never work full time again. And my life was completely on hold and incapacitated. Yeah, wow. I, yeah, was, was told I couldn't do the things I loved. So I thought if I get better, yeah. I will do acting. Cause that's actually what I've always wanted to do and felt called to do, to use that overly used word sometimes. But mm. it's such a part of me to be up in front of people telling stories that shape culture and impact people. And I have so many passions in this world, mm. political passions and for the environment and for people and um, the injustices of, injustices of this world. Yeah. And I feel like stories are such an amazing avenue for impacting that and making a difference. And so the, the a year after I started getting better and I was pretty well, mm. I got offered a full-time job in management consulting, which was the path I had been on. Yeah. And through marketing and other things, corporate life, the same week they offered me a full-time position, I got into drama school. Mm. And I said no to the job and yes to drama wow, school. Wow, yeah. Yay, I did it. <laughs> and it was the best year. Yeah. I had so much fun. Wow. I was just rediscovering health in my body for the first time in years. Wow. Like I was able to go out with friends to a bar and the next morning I could get out of bed and mm. wouldn't be really, really sick. Um, it was mm. amazing. And I loved it. And I went on to do another year with the same school, so I did two years with them. And during that second year, Joel, is actually where you entered my life. Oh, um, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the Spark Conference in yeah. Sydney, Creativity and Spirituality, amazing work that they conference, do. yeah, yeah. Yeah, loved it. And you got up, actually. We didn't meet at this time, so right. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> no, I don't think. <laughs> you got up and performed um, with Rochelle and some beautiful musicians, your poem, We Tell Stories. I was sitting in the front row. Mm. I had never seen spoken word poetry before. And all week, God had been moving in my heart. I was connecting with St. Francis of Assisi and like artists that were changing culture, like amazing things. And I think you were about two words in, I burst into tears. And I was like sobbing and it was that weird, I had this weird curiosity in myself. I was almost laughing at how hard I was sobbing. Being like, I don't know what's happening and I'm shaking, but I am just gonna, Wow. sit here and live through whatever's happening. It's just what my poetry does. <laughs> you know, every <laughs> time right. I do a poem, yeah. everyone just weep. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's right. But I got up afterwards and I'm like, that's it. I'm a writer. I'm a storyteller. Wow. Something had shifted. And wow. then for the next month, I kid you not, mm. I found the YouTube video, which is still there. I don't know if you know it's still there, but I still listen to it sometimes, <laughs> of that moment. Oh, wow. I can see myself in the front row. You can see my shoulders just wow. shaking. That's cool. And I listened to it every day for the next month that's like amazing. seven days for a month wow. and every day it would make me cry something was mm. cracking open in me and it's something beyond words still mm. to this day i can't say exactly what happened in that moment mm. but i cracked open and 
ever since I have in a new way embraced that my creativity is not just an idea or a dream that I've had that I chose because I was sick and decided to do what I actually loved if I got better. Mm. No, this is actually who I really am. Mm. And it's been a process of coming home to myself even though I was leaving home leaving the, the home and security of everything I'd known of who I was and of how systems work and how jobs work and industries and people and connections, stepping into something very unknown to me. But it just felt like coming home. Yeah. And so that's been, and that's been the journey ever since for like the next decade. She was a stranger. A girl made of pen and eye, made of paper, let her write her story upon me. He, he did the same. He scrawled his words across my back. They came as a couple and wrote notes about love. She came standing single and wrote of her sorrow. There was the man who told me of his daughter. The daughter who told secrets about her father. Purple paper and blue yellow notes turned red, turned friend, angry words and bruised. I am covered in ink. And the prayers cried empty onto my shoulder And the ghost with a whisper I am growing by stories every day But it is okay For I am shedding them too I am falling apart For we tell stories We do not wrap them around our fingers Controlled and ordered We are wrapped and rolled by them Let the world light us that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. love that. I didn't even know that story, mm. and I love that. I get to hear it in an interview with you. <laughs> no. It's really nice. I really nice. never told you that. Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Um, what, what, I'm wondering, because mm. the, the poem that I did was We Tell Stories, so it was all about mm. um, the power of storytelling, et cetera, et cetera, and as you've yeah. been talking, you were talking about acting and writing, mm. but at the heart of it seemed to be storytelling for you. What is it about stories? Because mm. um, is, it, is it stories or it more so than acting? Is it stories more like is it stories told in any way you can? Yeah, it's stories told in any way I can. And I think that's been a big shift in me because in a way I'd, I'd idolised the idea of being an actor mm. and I thought it was very much one thing where it's actually another. Yeah. You know, most of the job of being an actor is auditioning and knocking on doors and getting rejected all the time. Yeah, that's the fun. job. That's the job of a poet yeah, too. Yeah, right, right, yeah. yeah. Occasionally you get to get up on stage. Occasionally yes. you get in front of a camera and I yeah. love it and I thrive. Most of the time you're doing the hard, hard work. <laughs> yes. Um, but for me, I think story, you know, as an actor you're stepping into someone else's shoes but mm. connecting to real parts of yourself to reveal truth. I'm a big, I've also taught acting and often talk about taking off the mask mm. rather than putting on a mask. So, yes, I'm playing a different character but if I'm really truthfully in the moment, you're seeing something true in me that is connected to that character wow. rather than me painting a picture on top of me. Yes. I'm revealing some truth and that moves people more without using my own trauma because I'm, I'm very against that. I think it's very unhealthy. That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a side note. As a clarification. Yeah, just don't want anyone to go and like, don't expose your trauma on stage and think it's acting. Yeah. That, no, yeah, go to yeah. therapy, get some help and then learn how to use it in an appropriate way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, it's the... It was through this process of diving into acting, I realised that the impact we have on people to reflect their own lives mm. or present a new idea, mm. um, but in a way that is meaningful to them. Um, I think there's a quote, I forget what it is, 
it might actually be Ian Morgan Crone, who was the speaker at that conference at Spark, yeah. said something like, when you can't get through the front door of logic and rationality, yeah. you might be able to get through the back door of creativity. Hmm. And for me, that's part of Story's vehicle. It's not about convincing someone with rational argument. It's about taking them literally on a journey and showing them that there's a different way. Mm. And I think we live in a world that has such rigid structures of how things should be, how often we use that word, should. Mm. I should do this. I have to do this. Why are you doing this job? Oh, because I always thought I would. And just kind of shaking that up a little bit gently and saying, hey, almost whispering through story, saying, Mm. hey, maybe there's a different way of doing this. Maybe it's under the slightest tweak, but you might feel more um, in yourself or you might look outside yourself more and want to make an impact in the world. So it's always come back to storytelling for me in that way. Yeah. Sometimes it's just pure escapism. That is also <laughs> definitely Story's necessary. A wonderful escapism. Yeah. But even with escape, like I was thinking about this the other day, that even when we use stories to escape, which mm. we, during 2020, like there's been a lot of escapism into stories, whether it be writing, uh, whether it be reading books or whether it be watching movies or Netflix or whatever it is, which we can critique and say is a bad thing in some sense if it becomes too much. Mm. But actually there's... I wonder if when we're escaping into something, into story, mm. um, we, as much as we kind of are escaping from our world into another world, we're actually taking our world into that world with us and therefore we can look back at our world, the real world, with a different lens, with a different understanding, with kind of a different viewpoint. And so the, Mm. yes, we're escaping, which feels wonderful, but actually something more is kind of happening in that moment. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Mm. And the thing I love about that is that when we rarely can hear or watch or experience a story Mm. and be left unchanged by it, Mm. we'll be changed in some way. Mm -hmm. And even if it's very subtle or unsure about it and... You know, we get to, as storytellers, we get to invite people in that journey. You were sick, Mm. you just said, for a long time. Um, Before that, had creativity, that seems to be the turning point that you were talking about that so many people have yeah. a really turning point in life. <laughs> While you were growing up, was creativity there at all? Like you said, it was, it is who you are now mm. and you were running from it for the first 24 years. Did it show mm. its, its, I was going to say its ugly head, <laughs> yeah, its beautiful its head. Beautiful Did it head. show its beautiful creative <laughs> head at all during those teenage years? Those What, what did yeah. they look like for you? Yeah, uh, it's a really good question and important to reflect on because I think at times when I was at my healthiest physically and mentally growing up there was often expression of creativity in my life and it wasn't um there weren't avenues presented to me in my life that would lead to a career in creativity yeah but it was considered part of like um becoming like an accomplished young lady so to speak like (laughs) you know I had to do piano lessons and I did ballet until I joined a basketball team and decided I'd rather do basketball than ballet, and to this day I can't dance. Yeah. Um, my poor, poor musical ambitions are hindered by the fact that I can't oh, dance. No. Um, I was able to do singing lessons and, you yeah. know, these things, but they were part of, they were considered part of, like, a well-rounded education yeah, yeah. or a hobby as opposed to something that could lead to impacting the world, which is sort of how I see it now. Mm. But some of the things that did come through 
I didn't consider myself a writer until I was in my mid twenties. Mm. But if I look back, at the age of seven, I founded a newspaper <laughs> <laughs> where I would I would write creative stories, wow. and I'd get my cousins and friends to write creative stories, and I would print them, wow. and I would take them after church around and sell them for twenty cents. <laughs> and like I was the editor, the treasurer, and the founder, <laughs> and and the publisher. So I would sit there on the little. Mac something ancient, like a 1994, yeah. <laughs> like very old Mac looking computer. Classic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a computer that only has Word, like nothing else exists <laughs> in terms of software. And I would yeah print these things and publish them and I would then write up all the accounts and I'd divvy out the money and I was yeah. so excited to be paying people for their stories. Like, here's a dollar twenty-five, which you'd oh. like to write in the next issue and I felt so proud of that. Yeah. But it kind of, it just kind of fell to the wayside and there was a few reasons for that. At the time, it wasn't. Um, it was originally actively encouraged as like, yeah. oh, this is fun and imaginative, and creative. But yeah, then, yeah. eventually in my life, growing up, it would always come back to, okay, but now it's time to get serious yeah. about your choices. Now you've got to become an adult. You know, yeah, mm. you, we'd spent some time overseas as a family, which was wonderful. My dad was traveling with his work as a scientific researcher, but I came back was very behind in maths, and that became really important that I did all my maths homework yeah, yeah. and caught up. So these things fell away, but. You know, I, I was in every choir and I joined every club. It was always there, but I never gave myself permission. Hmm. And I wasn't given permission to pursue it. Yeah. And as a kid, that's hard. But then when I became an adult, like 1920, I still didn't give myself permission. Yeah. So that was part of the big change when I was sick was me deciding that, oh, I can make my own choices here. Yeah. Um, those echoing voices from when I was a child don't have to reign. Mm. I can choose a different voice. And actually, the closer I got on my spiritual path to realising that God was creative, mm. um, that led me towards really owning this part of myself as a gift from God, yeah. not a dream that I would forever have to sacrifice. Wow. So there was the external pressure of, mm. you know, you're an adult now. What was the internal mm. monologue of why you couldn't? Uh, step into this was yeah. it was it stepping into it as a creative career or was it like creativity in general was there a shutting it Ooh. down inside yourself look so a couple of things happened at that time the most significant one was I got married yeah right. so I was I was married at 19 yes um and then I was very unfortunately divorced at 29 yeah um but that's and that's a whole journey that that he and I went on and my, my partner was, he, he is still a musician and a photographer. Um, but we were both in this environment of really feeling quite creative, but never having really expressed it. And yeah. we were studying like commerce and marketing and yeah. linguistics and not really quite diving into it. So joining together and being able to share that with someone was really important. Um, and I will forever be grateful to him for that, mm. um, for sort of calling out that in me, that mm. it was valid and important. Wow. Um, despite anything that happened after that point in time, <laughs> which yes. I won't share any because it's, you know, it's our story, it's his story yeah, as well yeah. as mine. So it's, um, personal in that way for him. Yeah. But, um, that was significant. And I think during that time, a lot of change happened. So I, I went to Japan for a semester cause I was studying Japanese translation. One of my many lives. Wow. I've done so many different You're a things. linguist as well. Yeah. Linguist. Uh, yeah. I have a degree in linguistics and Japanese <laughs> translation. Um, wow. And I, so I spent time sort of away from anything I'd known before, which I think is often a chance for us to engage in the truth of who we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and moved out of home for the first time, all of those sorts of things. I moved to churches and there'd been a story in my head around the creative world being the world. I grew up in a very conservative, right. um, 
quite purist kind of community. Right. And so this, the world, the world was a negative was thing. Negative. Right. Yeah, it was evil, and right. you know, you'd be exposed to things that could put you like your salvation in jeopardy. Like yeah. it was kind of as extreme as that. Wow. So moving out of that, and I joined a church community that uh, it doesn't unfortunately exist anymore, but at the time was the right place for me. Yeah. And it was full of people who were filmmakers and actors and mm. writers and directors. And I'm like, this is a whole world. You can <laughs> study act. I didn't know you could study acting. Wow. Yeah. We, we had to do drama at school until year eight. And then wow. year nine, you chose electives. And I was not allowed to choose drama. Yeah. Um, and after year 10, I was not allowed to do art um, because it wasn't a real thing to study. Mm. Uh, you know, again, I was meant to be on the path to medicine. So I did chemistry and biology and... <laughs> all of that and did very well, but it wasn't, mm. wasn't my path. So yeah, that was, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm processing this out loud at the moment, but there's been like this constant shedding mm. of these old stories. And I think mm. the thing I'm stepping into now is knowing that we don't just shed these stories, but we have to write them too. So yeah. writing the new story, yeah. like, yes, I'm letting that go. And that can feel very revealing. It can feel very yeah. naked and vulnerable and empty and lonely and scary but instead choosing what is the new story, um, mm. who am I really? And that got stripped away when I was sick. Anything mm. of my identity that I held on to previously was gone. Yeah. Um, mm. I had an intense viral infection. My body did not recover. Um, and I had a condition, developed a condition called myalgic encephalitis. Well, that's um, a mouthful. It is, yeah. It means the Latin for it. It's something like um, brain and spinal cord inflammation. Whoa. But what it actually is commonly referred to is chronic fatigue syndrome. Right. But a lot of us reject that name or don't like that name because yeah. people go, oh, I'm tired all the time. Yeah, yeah. And you want to hit fatigue. them in the face. Yeah. yeah. You're like, you have no idea. Yeah. Um, and I was acutely sick for three years, like really, like really sick. stuck in bed Stuck sick. in bed. The last 12 months I was sick, I was yeah. out of bed Yeah. two to four hours a day. Wow. So at the most. So I was in bed 20 to 22 hours in yeah. every 24 hour cycle. And I had to be horizontal for most of that time. If I sat up for too long, I, my like blood would like drain away and I would just crash. And I couldn't stand up long enough to do my teeth. I had to sit on the edge of the bathtub to do my teeth. Wow. And, um, you know, going through this and I was newly married, like there was so much going on at that time. We, we lost people in tragic accidents. Like it was just a heck of a time, um, in so many ways. And my body collapsed and mm. with that my identity collapsed not for any reason other than these activities and jobs and even relationships in my life that had told me who I was were gone mm. you know mm. I I couldn't I'd always been incredibly sporty and active as an athlete and I loved it I could not walk to the mailbox and back wow um I had no physical health in that way and I'd always been so proud of my brain that could do the mathematics and could do the chemistry and could learn foreign languages. My brain was mush. Mm. I'd be talking to someone and suddenly it was like I'd blink and I'd know that about two or three minutes had passed and I would have no idea what had happened or what they were talking about. My brain would just stop and I couldn't remember things. My mm. memory was gone. It mm. was, it was awful. Mm. And I was trying to study because I stopped working because I wasn't physically well enough, but I couldn't be someone who had no purpose. <laughs> I couldn't not have a job and not study, so I enrolled in a Master's of Business and just Marketing. A mar just a little Master's what? while you can't get out of bed. What was I thinking? <laughs> I don't know. And, like, this is before you had sort of proper online university and stuff yeah, as well. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I didn't, like, lectures were recorded, but you couldn't really, like, wow. it was hard to study from home and I was trying to go in and 
suddenly be around lots of people, which I love because I'm an extrovert. Mm. <laughs> so that's no secret. Um, but people would exhaust me because yeah. um, I'd be tapping into the energy and I'd just get so depleted. Wow. I'd crash for days. and Yeah, it was, it was awful. So everything got stripped away and I had to come back to the core of who am I really. And that came down to pretty much like I am... Uh, a girl. I these mm. are th- I love art. I love words and stories. These are the people in my life that I love. That's about it. Wow. <laughs> it was very small. I lived a very small life, but I came to a point of acceptance of the quiet nobility of a gentle small life, mm. and that it still had worth. Mm. My life still had worth, even though it was almost gone. Yeah. And. I'd go weeks where I only saw my husband because I couldn't leave the house. And mm. it was so, it was such a difficult time. But, and and the, the journey of me getting better is is a different story. And um, I'm basically one of the 7% that do recover. It's very rare and very unlikely. Wow. And I have a bit of survivor's guilt about it because there's still <laughs> yeah, yeah. millions of people in the world that are so unwell. So I, there's no cure, there's no miracle pill, there's no miracle treatment for this thing. Um, and I still have it to some degree. I only ever got back to like 85% capacity. And now I work with the community advocacy and and writing hope and encouragement for people, which we're needing more of right now because of COVID is leaving millions with this condition. COVID would be like death for them. A lot of them. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's right. It's put me in a high risk category. So I've had to be very self-protective in the last year. Um, I additionally have an autoimmune disease, but that's a separate disease and separate story. Um, I have the fun, I have the fun fact of having four different chronic illnesses and diseases that I manage. It's just super fun and super easy. Great in a pandemic world. (laughs) Great in a pandemic world. Oh my goodness. It hasn't been scary at all. Um, (laughs) I wonder if during this whole time, like mm. the last year, you have also gone, we were talking before we were chatting on this and Mm. you've gone months without seeing people. I, I'm wondering if you could have done that without mm. what you had gone through all those years ago of not seeing yeah. anyone but your husband. Mm. I think you're absolutely right. Mm. I don't think I could have done what 2020 was for me without the lessons learnt mm. from previous seasons. Mm. And so 2020 was still an incredibly difficult year for me and a pretty dark time in many ways. Yeah. Um, I... I had chronic tonsillitis, I had a tonsillectomy, surgery went wrong, multiple complications, hemorrhaged back in hospital. I lost like all my work. I've had like, it's been really, really hard. Uh, Plus I'm no longer married. Right. So I was living in a share house. I am living in a share house with two beautiful, beautiful humans. Love them very much, but we were strangers when we moved in together Yeah. and they were both essential workers going to work. So I was on my own. Very lonely. Yeah. Very lonely. I'm a words of affirmation and physical touch person. Yeah. And all of, I went eight months without touching a living being oh. until we got a dog. <laughs> wow. And because uh, we socially distanced from each other, like one of my housemates was on the COVID front line and yeah, I'm high wow. risk. So it was a tough year. And, but I don't think it would be, I could say it's my toughest and probably it's what you're saying actually now I think about it. It's that mm. I, it's not that it was harder or less hard than previous years, but I had these lessons of what to apply I knew how to manage my energy. I knew how to um, ask for help (laughs) and to ask for help in things like social connection, not just ask for um, physical help, but ask for the things that I really, really needed and that my heart needed and that my soul needed. Yeah. Um, As well as just having lived experience of being stuck before and going, okay, I've been stuck before. Right now I'm stuck again. This will pass. Yeah. It's not passing right now and I don't have to enjoy it and knowing it'll pass does not bring comfort. No. <laughs> but it can help to feel like 
there will eventually be an end date. It can help with the endurance. Mm. Yeah. I actually was about to enroll in like an improv comedy class the the month that I got the virus and wow. got sick. Wow. So this could have gone very differently. I think it's tragic in some ways that I got sidelined for so many years because I kind mm. of people are like, oh, because you were sick, you're an actor. I'm like, no, I actually think I would have found my way there anyway. Mm. But this was a different pathway there. Um, but what it looked like then when I was sick is I watched I watched a lot of TV and film. Yeah. So I was trying to manage my sleep and not oversleep because that causes problems. But my body wanted to be asleep 24-7. So I started watching film and TV to try and keep my brain awake. Um, sometimes often with my eyes closed because watching TV took too much energy. Yeah. How crazy is wow. that? Um but growing up in a household where, you know, we had 30 minutes of TV a day maximum because yeah. you had to do your homework. And yeah. I am forever grateful for the discipline that I have learnt from that. <laughs> but That's I, what we do with our kids. Yeah, well, it just means I've missed... Everyone, like, refers yeah, to these yeah. shows from the 90s that were massive and I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Everyone at school talking about the OC and things. I'm like, oh, I don't know who's Ryan Atwood. Anyway, I know now because I watched it when I was sick. <laughs> I yes. love Ryan Atwood. What a babe. Um, <laughs> I hope that's his name. I don't know. Anyway, um... Yeah, I, and I would binge. It was before yeah. binge watching was a thing because yeah, yeah. I had Netflix. But get this, Netflix was a DVD service <laughs> that you would order online, What's and they a would DVD. <laughs> it's a little disc job yes. that has data written on it. Right. <laughs> um, and they would like post me DVDs, and wow. I would watch them. So I'd like binge series because um, it was on this DVD. Yeah. But I binging wasn't a word we used as a verb no. for TV at that point. Yeah, yeah. But I did, and I watched. Alias and suddenly was like, oh, I wish that I could be in a spy movie. Mm. Actually, maybe I'll be a spy. And I looked into like the ASIO application process before I was like, what am I doing? I'm sick. I can't go and be a spy. <laughs> um, well, maybe I could play a spy. Yeah. And I would watch, you know, all the Jane Austens and beautiful stories like that. I would watch recordings of musicals and recordings of plays by the National Theatre. And I just, it just opened up my world that there was all this out there that I could be a part of. Um, so consuming creativity was actually a big part of it originally. Yeah. But then I began very slowly to re-engage with those early creative actions from my childhood, writing short stories, um, writing poems and lyrics for songs. Uh, I'd done a lot of songwriting when I was a kid. I just felt such freedom in that, but it was for me. I didn't share it with anyone. Um, I would sometimes share it with my husband, but mostly it was for myself. And so at the end of being sick, I looked back and I had, you know, dozens of journals about wow. my time being sick. And a lot of it was very creative. A lot of it was poets, poetry and, um, and songs. Hmm. And was my professor of immunology, I had 12 different health specialists at one point in time trying to manage what the heck was going on with my body. Wow. But my immunologist, who was fantastic, he, at the end of a um, session one day, quite offhandedly said, I hope you're writing this down, how you feel and what you're thinking about this illness, mm. because I think one day someone's going to need your story. And it was the first time I think someone had validated that my experience my personal experience could impact someone. Yeah. And that's led me on a whole other journey. I, I now... Um, I'm running it properly this year for the first time, but I've set up an Instagram and a newsletter for people who have myalgic encephalitis or other chronic illnesses. Anyone with long COVID or COVID long haulers, these people that are still sick from COVID 10, 12 months later, you yeah. are welcome in the community. Yeah, wow. Um, and sharing some of these reflections of what I learnt. And it's been a beautiful practice now of, of the discipline of the creativity, mm. not because I'm being forced to learn ballet or forced to learn piano, um, but actually 
sitting down to write every day because that's Mm. the discipline and Mm. seeing my creativity flourish within that boundary of time. Uh, So Instagram is the best place for now. If you go to Hope Heroes Collective. Hope Heroes Collective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you know anyone in your life that has experienced chronic illness and disease, please let them know about it. They're very welcome. Mm. It's very supportive and it's about... Um, not it's not about hope for a cure because that sort of hope uh, can be devastating when you're facing something for decades unending. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's more about hope for a better quality of life today, even while you're still sick. You started writing your story out mm. uh, when just after you got sick. Yeah, I got sick in 2009, and in 2011, when I was heading into the the worst year of it, yeah. I had a particular night of. Um, couldn't sleep, which would happen from time to time. And I just, I gave up, you know, <laughs> it's doing it. Sleep is not happening tonight. Yeah. I'm going to get up. And I just went into the other room and sat down at the desk and opened up my laptop. And it was like, boom. I had this like download of like how to structure my story and huh. how to tell the story of living with the unplanned wow. and the unknown and living with the unproductive. Cause yeah. I've been through this massive struggle with being an unproductive person. I just, I thought I had no worth in this world because I wasn't producing anything and it had no purpose. Um, and I was like, I wrote this thing down. I was like, wow, oh my gosh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write this book. Wow. And then I couldn't do it because I was still sick. I was in bed yeah. most of the time and my brain wasn't working most of the time. And I'd write these tiny little snippets and leave it for a week and write another little snippet. And that was just, um, I really wanted to do it. And this year is 10 years since that download. Wow. And I feel like this is the year that I'm So you I'm haven't come back it. to it since, to your story? I've come back a couple of times and something has happened. So either yeah. I you know, got a divorce or <laughs> I say it so casually, it was like a really epic like five-year journey in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Four years probably. Um, but uh, 2015 is the time I really came into it for a while yeah. properly with writing my book and I was living down the coast and we had a spare room that I kind of set up like a studio having previously lived in tiny apartments. I felt like I had so much space. It was amazing. <laughs> and I got all these palm cue cards and wrote out the sections of the book and wrote out different episodes, things that had happened with different doctors that completely made my health journey worse. Yeah. <laughs> doctors that yeah. helped people that came in and out of my life, the yeah. discoveries that I made. And I mapped it out on the wall and was like, wow, yes, I'm going to do this. This is the book. This is the outline. I've got it. Yeah. And then we had some unexpected guests come to stay and they crashed in that room. And I'd been out and I came home and suddenly there was people in my room. With your story on the wall. My story, yeah. And I realised I I wasn't healed from this journey yet emotionally. It was still really raw and fresh and I wasn't ready to share all of it. And I went in and I took those cards and I just pulled them down, not even in proper order, shoved them literally in a shoebox and put it in the bottom of the cupboard and I have since lost the (gasps) shoebox. Like, lost. Oh. this is, you know, this, there's whatever that only you can read into that what you will. <laughs> but, um, I wonder where yeah. that shoebox is I know. in the, in the space time continuum. <laughs> where is yes. the story of Eliza floating around? It could be anywhere. It could be in any country. I've been so many places <laughs> since then. I don't even know. I'll probably like, I bet I'll finish this manuscript and then I'll find the shoebox and be yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. I should have done it that way. Oh well. Um, but no, That's I feel like... That's huge. Yeah. What... Mm. Was it because you weren't mm. ready? What was... Like, that's a massive reaction. Yeah. Um, in that moment. What was it? A bit, like, what freaked you out so much at mm. that point? I wasn't ready for my pain to be witnessed. Huh. And there was that element of 
um, wanting, uh, this is a battle that I think a lot of actors have. Yeah. We want to be seen yeah. desperately. And yet we, the thing that terrifies us the most is being seen. Yeah. And that's why it can be really hard to act with truth and present really revealing the truth of a moment because we're revealing a part of ourselves that's very, very vulnerable yeah. and scary. And I think the fantasy, the story in our heads is that you'll get rejected, you'll get judged, people won't understand. Um, and for me, also part of my story is this illness journey is so difficult for people already. I don't want to put anything in my book that's going to make it harder for people. Yeah. Like what if I say something about my story and that's not someone else's and then their family judges them in a different way and it's already so difficult. So, yeah, being witnessed, I think, was the thing that really got me scared mm. about my pain. Mm. And then also being witnessed in having this big, audacious goal of wanting to write a book huh. about yeah. my story. Yeah. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, good, you well. Go and, like, get a job and just be a part of this functioning society. <laughs> Stop trying to, like, go on about how important it is to be a creative and tell stories to change the world. <laughs> you know, like, just yeah. get, get your life together and be a normal person. Yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, to have our goals witnessed can be really scary. It's yeah. scary now to say into this microphone, yeah. I'm going to write my book this you year. You heard it. You heard it on the Deep Place podcast. <laughs> oh, no. The end of this year, Eliza's going to have a book about her life. <laughs> I have to do it now. <laughs> yep. Crap. A few thousand people are going to oh, wait for it. Oh, no. All right. Send me your stories, people. Help me. <laughs> no. I can do this. I can do this. You um, can do this. Yeah. What's, what's changed? Like, why mm. can you do this now but not a few years ago? Mm. Um, I've, I'm a bit further on from, so I got, I separated from my husband. We separated at the end of 2016 yeah. and the divorce was officially in 2018. Yeah. And so I'm sort of two years on from that now, almost three years on from that. And I think it's just a bit more distance from fresh pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I mentioned this earlier in the interview, but about not, but actors not using their trauma openly on stage. Yeah. yeah. And I feel the same about writing I want to share my writing from a place of wholeness yeah so most of the writing I've done in the book so far has been therapeutic processing for myself yeah, yeah. now I'm going to start from a blank page from the first word again huh. I, I will take snippets of what I've written and I think I'll insert journal entries and things into the book yeah. but um so you get that rawness but actually I want to write it from a place of wholeness and yeah. I've done a lot of therapy in the last two years I've done a lot yeah. of healing around this story and how it intersects with other stories and yeah. I, I'm a big believer in creators being able to create out of the abundance of health and stability I want actors to yeah. be sponsored and financed financially supported because there's this story that you know, writing out of the trauma and the pain or yeah. the struggle, you know, living in a crappy apartment with no money makes amazing art. Not necessarily. Sometimes yeah. you're just hungry and cold <laughs> yes. and living with mould that you can't get rid of. <laughs> I lived in a house once where we could not get rid of the rats. We just stopped <laughs> oh putting food on the bottom shelf mm. because we just get eaten. Like, we just couldn't put food wow. there. We just couldn't get rid of the rats. Wow. I am writing so much better now that I'm living in a clean house that doesn't have rats and mould yeah. and I'm able to pay my rent each month just yeah. because of the pandemic, but I am, um, you know, that's actually giving me a, that stability is giving me a freedom to write my story that's combined wonderful. with having healed more from my journey. So yeah, that's wonderful. Go get therapy. It's the best. It's such an important thing, like, mm. um, that our, our authenticity and our vulnerability as actors, as writers, mm. as poets, as right, like, um, I, it, our vulnerability and authenticity doesn't mean that we bleed all over the stage. 
and mm. it's a really it's a it's a balance. It's hard to do because there is that sense of, um, but I want to be vulnerable and authentic. Mm. Um, I want to. We need to tap into the dark places in ourselves if to express them in story. Otherwise, story mm. is fake. Otherwise, all that kind of thing. But I I really like that idea that there um, we have to be courageous enough in and of ourselves to hold our own story so that even if we mm. are going into the pain we're still not bleeding out in the public um, and what we bring to the public is what we bring to the world is is our true authentic story but I think if we can do it like you were saying in a healthy way mm. um, it means that when people respond negatively like when people rip take a take a dig at yep. our stories or our acting or our whatever, then it doesn't have to crush our lives. Like I think mm. that's the when 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 it's so close and so painful and we hold it so tightly and we're like, no, but I need to I need mm. to bring this out into the world and we bring it too soon. I don't know if soon's the right word. Mm. Um, then then people's response matters a lot. Mm. But I think if we are able to hold it in and of ourselves to the point where no matter how people respond, we will still be okay. Maybe mm. that's maybe that's the balance we're looking yeah. for. Oh, I think that's so true and so mm. beautiful. And, you know, that happens with, with the audition process as an actor. Mm. When you really, really want the job and you don't get it, it is devastating. Mm. And the times that you, you rock up, you think, okay, today this audition room is an opportunity for me to perform. Yeah. For the next five minutes, this is my space. Yeah. I have been invited here. I'm going to do my job and then I'm going to leave and I'm going to just, you know, lips, yeah. wipe my hands and leave it in the room because I can't control the next part of the process. That's yes. been my experience of jumping into producing and casting short films and things. I suddenly realised how little control you have as an actor over whether or not you get the job. Yeah. Um, and I had an example for auditions in Australia kind of, we're a little bit less last year during the pandemic, but I, I actually auditioned for a musical. <laughs> Come full circle. Even though you can't dance. Even though I can't dance. <laughs> um, I did a self-tape for a musical yeah. um, just before Christmas, and then yeah. I knew that they were doing callbacks in January. Yeah. And I was on their Instagram for the production company in January and saw that the, the callbacks were in person were happening. And I thought, oh, well, I, I'm not there. I missed it. Um, yes. And I could go in and see my self-tape and see that my video had been viewed quite a few times. So I knew that they'd considered my audition. Yeah. I hadn't got a call back. Yeah. And I I wasn't over-invested in this particular project. I think it's going to be an amazing project. It's yeah. going to be a really fun and great show in Melbourne, but mm. I'm not going to be a part of it and that's okay. Mm. And so I feel so proud that I had done that audition tape and for me it was shaking off the cobwebs after having a year of not auditioning much mm. that had purpose I mm. got to perform for people people watched <laughs> me sing and they liked it I think <laughs> um not enough to be in the show and yeah. I didn't really match up to the particular characters anyway I didn't yeah. think I was going to get a call back yeah so it was this beautiful process of getting to submit a creative piece mm. and just watch other people do the callbacks and be happy for them yeah um and they're all dancing and I'm like good I can't do that <laughs> um and you know, as opposed to those times where I've held on to so tightly, yeah. like, this is the job that will make me an actor. Yes. No, I am an actor whether or not I get the job or not. Yeah. Um, and so owning that identity outside of an individual project or an individual piece that you have to produce, I think is so important. And coming back to the vulnerability piece, it helps you to be vulnerable in that moment because mm. the stakes are high enough that you care to create the art. Yes. They're not so high that you will be 
re-traumatized by sharing yes. this publicly. Yes. And I just think we do a lot of re-traumatizing as creatives mm. where whereas creative has creativity has the power to be the opposite of that. Mm. Healing for ourselves and the audience. Why do we put ourselves out there expecting to heal the audience if we won't make the choice to own our own healing journey mm. ourselves? Mm. Um, that's a wonderful place to f- finish up on, like mm-hmm. to because I think it's so crucial for any creative listening to this to be able to um, to do what you said to be able to name. I am an actor. Mm. I am a writer. I am a poet. Whether I get paid for this or not, whether the audition comes through, whether the publishing contract happens, whether the um, those career-based goals, they are secondary to the identity question of the creative that we are. Mm. And so maybe even um, maybe even for listeners, like my challenge for listeners would be, could you go and do the weird thing of looking into a mirror or something and and say the words that you've been too afraid to say about who you are as a creative. Mm. Like, I am an actor, regardless of what happens from here. I am a poet. I am whatever you might, I am a dancer. Mm. Um, that's my challenge. Yeah. What do you yeah. want to say to our listeners to finish off around oh, this? So, so many, so many things in what you just said then are so healthy, I think, which is mm. wonderful. And so something I'd add then is, those times that we all feel as a creative where we feel like we've failed, we feel like a failure, we don't measure up, I would say let yourself feel that, like the Mm. feeling is very valid, but then try to take a step back and look at it with curiosity and ask yourself, I failed against what measurement? What are the criteria? Mm. Because so often I feel like I failed against some of the things you've mentioned, like did I get paid? Did I get the audition? Am I auditioning? enough and for the right type of projects do I have another Instagram followers do I you know um all these things and actually is that what matters Mm. is that the measurement and sometimes yes sometimes you're building a career and you need to care about particular things you need enough money to buy food and pay rent yeah but on the broader scale of your identity don't let your identity lie in those things Mm. let your identity come back to I am an actor, I am a writer, I am a poet, I am a dancer, I am a storyteller, I am a friend, Mm. I am a member of a community, you know, these things, um, I think, yeah, if you feel like you're failing, just look at, ask yourself, what am I measuring myself against? Yeah. And see if you could prayerfully reset those criteria Uh for something that will actually lead you on a path to thriving. been so good to have you Eliza 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 on the deep place (laughs) and Peggy and Joel on the deep place so good to have you thank you so much for joining us where can can people find your stuff anywhere we'll talk about Hope Hope Heroes Hope Heroes Collective Um, yes you can also find me the actor and the writer um, ElizaCharlie.com Eliza that feels weird putting that out in the world like IMDb I love and that just, I love that we've just talked about owning our identity and even as you say your website you cringe and awe at it, it needs a redo <laughs> it needs a redo maybe you could redo it before this yeah. gets out yeah um, check out elizacharlie.com when it's redone that's right charlie with an ey charlie with okay. an ey yeah. thank you so much thanks for having me Today.
thought I was great. 